T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Suarez, a high fly ball, and the Reds have the lead. He crushed it. A two-run homer. To make it six to five. Second time today the Cubs have not been able to hold the lead. And Steve leaves this ball up over the inner third. Where Suarez likes it. Eugenio Suarez is good against fastballs, and he hit that one out of the ballpark. Inside the clubhouse on 670, the score. Bruce, a um, couple roster moves to mention. Going down for the Cubs, Mark Zagunis, the outfielder, and James Norwood, the pitcher who was here for one day yesterday. And coming up, two pitchers. Dylan Maples comes up for another go-around, and Tim Collins, the left-hander, comes And up. as we talked about earlier in the show, that's part of this revelation that's going to be the bullpen for the rest of the year where these guys like Maples again will eventually have a chance to make himself into a B and a possibly a reliever and uh, also uh, the White Sox made a move. White Sox made a move. Uh, Wellington Castillo who was hitting the mask last night goes on the injured list and Sebi Zavala the AAA catcher who's been splitting time with Zach Collins he comes up to the big so James McCann and Sebi Zavala are your catchers. Zavala's been splitting time with Zach Collins at AAA, so it's not as if he needs to play every day, but he'll play a little bit for the White Sox. We have a guest. It is on the Alpimonte Ford hotline. Alpimonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose the from. The fine color commentator for Cub Baseball, along with Len Casper, uh, every game for the Chicago Cubs. Jim Deshays joins us on Inside the Clubhouse on a cloudy but warm Saturday morning. Good morning, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you fine fellows doing this Saturday morning? We're we're doing good. We're join, we're joining in with everybody about angst on the uh Chicago Cubs bullpen and uh you know, talking a little bit about the fact that Joe admitted he's asked some of these very fine veteran pitchers to come out of their comfort zone, uh Jim, and do some things that they they normally don't do and might not quite be working out the way they wanted to right now uh yeah i know he referenced that after the game yesterday you know some of the uh you know one plus outings you know i suppose just get, give me an inning and then uh hit the clubhouse you know there have been times where they've had to go out for a second inning of work and sometimes that's backfired a little bit i you know the bullpen usage i think has been pretty good in terms of i don't <clears throat> guys aren't getting overused uh, what happens when you're a good team, you win a lot of games, you have opportunities to close a lot of games, and there are stretches where you lean on guys and they get a little more down, and then it becomes tougher to win. Um, and, and the Cubs are in a stretch now where uh, they've only had one off day in a, in a pretty long stretch. Um, so, yeah, guys guys have gotten out of their comfort zone perhaps a little bit, but a lot of these guys have experience that's not closing, at least in high-leverage situations, and, and guys like Ciszek and Brock have done a fair amount of closing in the past, same with Brandon Kinsler. Uh, so I think it's a capable group. I, I think when you get strobe back, it'll look a lot better. Uh, just adding one more, you know, big arm to the mix certainly will help. 
Um, and then you know, there's no doubt that, that the Cubs are going to be uh, on the lookout uh, to add, add uh, depth to that bullpen. Now, whether it's an elite closer or just another guy that, that, that will kind of slot in and, and help boost what, what is already there, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, elite closers uh, sometimes can be hard to come by and, and sometimes not available. Jim, uh, the we know these are very good veteran pitchers who are pitching uh, in different roles. We, you know, Ciszek has 145 or so career saves. Uh, Kinsler's done it for full seasons. But when you get guys that sporadically go into the closer's role, for instance, like a Ciszek yesterday, and fail that day, and then don't come back for two or three days, uh, in other roles, and then come back to the closer. Is there a from from your experience? Is there that self doubt planted even in the most veteran and accomplished guy because of the fact that he's not going automatically back out there to close the game the next day? Uh, I think there's there's doubt in, in this sport, regardless of what position you play. I think, and and if you're a a high leverage bullpen guy. Um, you know, the mental part of it probably plays even more than it would for a starter or a position player, uh, just because of the emotion, the adrenaline that's involved when you're working the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning of close games. Uh, but, but I don't know if there's a crisis of confidence that comes from not being out there and <clears throat> not being out there in a couple of days. I, I think, um, you know, guys just run hot and cold. That's the nature of relief pitching. Um, you know, I was looking at some numbers earlier today. You know, the, the best guy in the league right now is Kirby Yates. For the Padres, he's 32 years old. He's 20 out of 20 in saves. He's got a one-something ERA. <laughs> I would imagine if we asked most baseball fans uh, outside of San Diego uh, who Kirby Yates was a year or two ago, they would have had no clue whatsoever. So it's a position that kind of rises and falls. It's, it's hard to pin down because year by year there's kind of a small sample of work. You know, guys come in, they work an inning at a time for 50, 60 appearances. Um, they can run hot and, and look like world beaters, and then they can go through a stretch of, a week or two where they look like they're lost out there and you want to give up on them. Uh, but I, I think staying the course is probably uh, the right thing to do. Uh, you know, at least you, you, you've seen enough where you, you're convinced you, you have to realign or, or shift responsibilities out there. It's, it's well said. Bullpens are weird. Ryan Presley just ended a run of scoreless appearances of almost 40 games and who who knows who Ryan Presley is before this run down in Houston this is what they do that said sometimes i feel like i see a guy enough and i've learned i do not want to trust him and i must admit that's where i am with carl edwards i i i don't get it i i don't know exactly what's going to happen to change the ceiling and possibilities for this version of Carl Edwards. Joe, even yesterday, says we got to get Carl back on track. Just think about it, if you can add his name to today's list. They're going to keep trying to build the confidence and find it. I Could it happen? Of course. Uh, he, he, his last outing, he struck out the side. Um, so that's one outing, and you don't want to put too much stock in that. Uh, here's a guy. I just pulled up his numbers. <clears throat> He's shown eight in the third innings this year. Um, so that kind of goes back to my small sample <laughs> argument. It, it's really hard to uh, to know. You know, if the Cubs had not had that catastrophic road trip at the start of the year, he might not get sent down to the minor leagues. His biggest issue was the way he was reacting um, to failure. He, he just looked like he was frustrated and lost, and I think they needed to get him out of the bright light. So, yeah, I think he fits with what you and Bruce are talking about in terms of a pitcher who is capable but the, the, the confidence is waning because he's had some rough outings. So you try to rebuild that. 
So you kind of use them in lower leverage situations so he gets feel, starts to feel good about himself, and you start to ramp up his responsibility as you go along, and you just keep a close watch on it. Obviously, stuff matters if the velocity is down or the action, the life on the pitches isn't what it should be. Uh, then you don't fully commit to say, you know, you're, you're going to be a you know, ninth inning guy in a one-run game or an eighth inning guy in a tie game until you, you really believe in the stuff. Um, but, but I don't quit on him. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I get it, you know, because these guys pitch when there's so much focus on them, when they fail, it feels bigger than it really is. Um, and I'll just add the current closer of the team with the best record in baseball is one Blake Parker up in Minnesota. So it's just, it's, it's really hard. You know, and when you mention hard, Jim, I, I've always kind of bring it down to the lowest common denominator of, you know, the, the longer your starting pitcher goes, the less bullpen guys you have to use, mm-hmm. the more predictable an outcome is. Isn't that, isn't that, and hasn't it been that case with the Chicago Cubs since the, since maybe the uh, first week of the season, just they have the deepest starting pitching. They've gone deeper into games than any other teams, and therefore they're a first-place first team not having to use the bullpen like they've had to over the last week. Yeah, well, I, I think that's the way they're built. Um, you know, they, they've spent a lot of money on the rotation. That's, a lot of resources have gone to that group, so I think the expectation is that those guys are going to carry a big part of the load, and the bullpen perhaps not as much. Uh, and you're always looking, you're always looking to tweak and, and kind of assessing it as you roll along. A um, couple short starts here uh, recently from Hamels and Lester has put a little extra burden on the bullpen. Um, but going forward, you know, with the resumes those guys have and the way they're throwing the ball, you expect that they're going to cover a lot of innings and, t- and take a little heat off the bullpen. Um, but the, the thing about it is it's, it's always fluid, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you have an expectation of what your team is going to do and what, and what it's supposed to do. And you may get to a point in June where you say, you know what, we're not getting the innings out of our starters that we anticipated. There's going to be a little more heat on the bullpen. We're going to have to go out and augment uh, whether, you know, you, you find a diamond in the rough from within your own system or you go out and you, you give up prospects to land, um, you know, an experienced reliever that you think is going to do the trick. This hour is brought to you by Burris Equipment. Visit them at burrisequipment.com for details. Uh, Jim, is this the best Chris Bryant we've seen? Even better than MVP Chris Bryant. I feel like just the base running at this top notch, the comfort level. And I love that he's not, well, I should say, he's just not talking to people very much in the media before the games. And you know what? It seems to be working for him. I I, I don't know if it's uh, better than the MVP Chris Bryant, but it's about as good as it gets, isn't it? I mean, it's been really fun to watch. He looks so um, at ease out there. Everything is really easy about his game right now. I always marvel at how far he hits the ball with what looks like a very smooth, effortless swing. He's just so long and strong. Um, and the other parts of his game, you know, we heard about it when he first got to the big leagues that, you know, he's a really good athlete, could play multiple positions, could really run. Um, and that has been on full display. Uh, he referenced it the other day, the Javi effect. So, <laughs> so a guy who's always been a really good base runner in Bryant, maybe, maybe, and we saw it with Rizzo swiping second base yesterday. Yeah, maybe uh, there's a sense of, of daring that guys are willing to, to push the envelope a little bit more uh, with the base running. Uh, he just, you know, it, it's it's so good. it's such a great redemption story because it was hurt last year, but people still wanted to take shots. Um, elite players just don't disappear at, at, at this age, you know. So you knew he was going to come back and be good. 
um, he's got a chance to win another MVP. You know, you, you talk about getting spoiled when you watch Bryant and especially Rizzo play the game, you know, taking a, a bunt because it's an open side, stealing a base because the batter before him couldn't uh, get a, a ball to on the ground and move him. Um, these are these are special players with with way beyond uh, the the tools physically the the mental part of the game and the understanding of what they can do what is needed in a moment and when you watch Rizzo and Brian play that way it, it should be pretty exciting for people. Yeah, and I think there's a philosophy um, that allows that to happen. It starts with Joe. You know. Um, He's not going to bury a guy if he if he makes a mistake on the basis. He's going to turn guys loose, let them be aggressive. He's going to let them trust themselves to play the game. Um, and I think Brian Butterfield does a really good job uh, coaching base running. And I think that's been Butter's philosophy too. Let's let's be let's be willing to take an extra base. Let's be you know and same thing defensively. Let's be willing when everybody else in baseball says make sure you get an out. Uh, let's let's try to get two outs you know on a bunt or a, a certain ground ball. Um, so there's a there's a freedom that allows guys to to trust their instincts, and um, as long as those guys prove to make good decisions most of the time, you just turn them loose. Now, if they get a little reckless and guys get careless, that's when you rein it in and say, okay, we need to we need to step back. Um, you know, I'm going to trust you to to do what you need to do out there, but player B, C, or D, maybe we're going to give you a don't run in a, in a certain situation because we don't trust your instincts. Quite as much, but the guys we're talking about, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, all really heady players. Uh, Hayward, you know, and on and on, there's a number of them. I think just go play, boys. Just go have fun, play the game the way you know how to play. This, this is why it feels there's such an immediacy to me with the bullpen because everything else is so good. You know, the rotation is, is so good. The stars are playing so well. Even yesterday, when Contreras has that terrific at bat and hits what appears to be the game winner and it's middle away. You know, after Rizzo starts the inning, going middle away to bloop a single in there, it's like they are doing the selfless thing you need to do as power hitters with two strikes. They're doing it. They're 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 responding. So, I just hope that they don't get too demoralized by losses like like yesterday. It's it that that feels like a danger to me at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get it because those those can those can be a little bit. Uh, toxic in a clubhouse when you you know let leads get away late, um, you know I think if, you, if if this club's hovering around 500 uh, or they're in a stretch where they drop seven out of ten and the bullpen is just imploded, I think there's a danger of that happening. Uh, the random occurrence where you, you give up a, a game late, um, I don't think it's going to create too big of an issue. Um, so I, you know I, I'm, I'm not as concerned that that will happen at this point, um, but but clearly. Should it continue, um, it could be an issue. I mean, because you're right. I mean, this club, you know, collectively uh, has failed to convert uh, less than 50% of their save opportunities. So, um, but I, I'm, you know, maybe I'm a cockeyed optimist, but I, I think uh, this, this group has a chance to turn it around, um, not necessarily become, you know, top three or four in the league in that regard, but uh, at least better than average. Jim, we appreciate the time as always. Can't wait to uh, get out to the ballpark and uh, see you there. And uh, you know, I'm sure Craig Lynch will have his question, his uh, question of the day, and, and bad pun of the day for us when we get there. That's always a highlight. We always look forward to Craig. Yeah, uh, 
Blowing out today, boys. Be ready. All right. Thanks, JD. Appreciate it. (laughs) Jim Deshays does such a great job and such a a wonderful guy to deal with and uh, insightful as as heck uh, joins us, joined us on Inside the Clubhouse. And uh, I I love love his approach and it's kind of low keyed. The broadcast, you know, Len's, Len's broadcast and his broadcast is low keyed for the television viewer. In other words, they're there not to be the main show, but to help you and assist you watch the Cubs on television. I, I like their broadcast because they, they don't feel the need to uh, out-talk each other. It's it's about guiding you through a broadcast, helping you with other ancillary things along the way as well. Not out-talking each other? I'm not familiar with the concept. I work in radio. (laughs) 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. Let's talk some White Sox when we come back. They've got an ace, and they made a roster move as well. Also, the miracle, what that is all about at the Royal George Theater. We'll talk about that as well. We are 670, the score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is inside the clubhouse. And a couple starts ago, Lucas Giolito got his first complete game, but I use air quotes for that because it was five innings and rain shortened, although it was an impressive performance first in and of itself. First one in 382 White Sox starts. I saw you tweet exactly Chris that. Sale 2016. Unbelievable. And, and then he comes out and, as you said, Matt, just blows people away with a, a shutout over a team that you would never expect him to be able to even get out of the fifth or sixth inning. A four-hit shutout in Houston against the red-hot right. Astros in that absurd offense. Uh, even though Springer's out and out again, and then, uh, you know, Altuve's not there, but it's still formidable offense, one of the best in baseball, and... Giolito's uh, ascension here over the last four starts have been incredible. He has a 2.77 ERA in nine starts and 52 innings over the whole game. But it's, as you say, these last, what, five, six outings, uh, the nine-hit complete game. Uh, before that, there was the the five-inning complete game. Before that, there was a seven and a third with three hits. Before that, uh, you know, and, and what has happened here, among other things, is he has focused on his four-seam fastball, which has terrific carry. It it doesn't rise, but it looks like it rises. It doesn't drop like a lot of other fastballs drop. He's using right. that and the changeup, which looks exactly right. like that four-seam fastball and falls off. He's almost using those two pitches exclusively. It's right. amazing. But why is that successful, Matt? The reason why it's successful is... Of course, initially command, but more importantly, he's picked up the velocity two to three miles an hour from a year ago. And and that to go along with the change and the variance of seven or eight to 10 miles an hour Mm -hmm. from the fastball to change makes you impossible to pick up and to predict. And as you said, the fastball that rises is, you know, ideal in this type of uh, era knowing that uh, you know you're having launch angle guys and you're you're throwing the ball just basically over their bats and what has completely disappeared is his other fastball the sinking fastball right. it's gone it's yeah. completely gone and, 
And, it, and it's and it's fun to watch. I mean, he'll mix an occasional slider and an occasional curveball, but a few more this past start than he had previously, right. which is sensible because once he got them going, just expecting fastball changeup, now he's able to mix it back in just a little bit and screw with people. Here's the other part: he worked with his own and the White Sox mental edge people to regain or to get a new focus on uh, dealing with success and failure, not only in general, but pitch to pitch, inning to inning. He was a defeated guy coming off of a failed inning in 2018, going into the dugout and hitting and destroying anything in front of him, just taking those negative thoughts back out on the field with him the next inning. Mm -hmm. It's so essential, uh, the mental skills departments and what they do and how people are turning to therapy as the way to get positive results for them, all walks of life, of course, Matt, but in baseball, and there's no shame anymore in baseball by having somebody work with your brain as well as your body. For sure. And what you've got now with Giolito is all these different factors coming together. He fixed a small mechanical issue. He moved his position on the rubber. He worked very much on the mental side and his resilience, and he has made these pitch selection changes, and they've all come together. This is a guy who was always highly touted and thought to have had a great arm and ready to go, has gone through his struggles, maybe the worst full-time pitcher in baseball last year, but he has learned from it. And I think he's here, Bruce. I think he's got a very good shot at being pitcher of the month for for the month of May with one more start to go. And the thoughtfulness of a guy who's a deep thinker, really works against you sometimes as an athlete. Mm-hmm. It really does because you, you outanalyze situations and you, you don't allow for the fact that, hey, there's a guy over there who is a 300 hitter and a professional player and he just beat me on that play. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not going to get beat by the next guy. Now, we, we know that sounds simplistic, but that is really the reality mentally of what you have to take out there pitch to pitch and batter to batter. We've seen a lot of pitchers with a ton of good pitches who can't find the right blend. You Darvish comes to mind. You got a lot of different pitches, a lot of different ways to throw it. I remember David Cohn was that guy. He threw like six or seven different pitches and had multiple arm slots. And he was often at his best when he limited the number of things that he used. You can get carried away with right. your stuff. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what we've seen out of Giolito, you know? Yep. Uh, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch um, White Sox pitchers ascend like this. We thought we were seeing that with Lopez early in the year. Whoa. He's been very erratic. Yeah, last yes, and he ran into a buzzsaw called the Minnesota Twins uh, yesterday. <laughs> Lopez didn't get out of the fourth. He allowed eight runs for the second time this year. His ERA on a whole is six point oh three. He had only allowed two earned runs over his last two times through, but yesterday was brutal. Yeah, and the two times before, Matt, he struck out fourteen. Mm-hmm. So we know it's there. It's just the consistency. Not there for a guy that threw 188 very good innings, 19 quality starts in 2018. A guy that uh, looked like the best pitcher uh, at the major league level for them, um, now struggling. Again, this player development thing that's going on with the White Sox in Major League Baseball continues. You know, you concentrate on the good stuff from Giolito. Now you're going to see Covey uh, going again to, uh, tomorrow. Today it's. Uh, Benuelos uh, coming off of the DL. So uh, it's it's hit and miss. You know, I think you and I talked about this touchdown up before 
we went on the air and we said, would 81 wins be necessarily a good thing or an overrated thing for the Chicago White Sox? Or is it more about, hey, now we have seven, eight, nine players we can project going forward as possible parts of a championship team? Well, I think that's the most important thing, identifying as many useful solid pieces as you can for contending years, which should happen as soon as next season. But I don't see the downside in winning 80, 81 games. No downside is this. If, if guys like, you know, all of a sudden um, you see Alonzo stepping up and when helping win games, Uh if you see a John Jay come back in the second half and help you win games, does that really take you to the next level for young people to continue to, to learn, which you could make that argument, or uh, let's just concentrate on the guys who are um, going to be the 2021, 2022 White Sox, who we project being on a team that has a chance to win it all. Mm-hmm. Well, well th- those are the, those are the things you know where you get caught up in an American League, as we've talked about before, that might have as you say, seven or eight good teams, I think five, uh, I think five really, really good teams. And as 81 wins in that type of league really get you uh, going. And is that a guarantee that the following season you're going to do better than that? Well, I I understand that, um, that it could look like a mirage. If you find yourself at the end of the year, the second place team in the American league central, that's kind of a crappy American league central. I still expect the Indians to play better than this. They're just two games over 500. I think they will be better than this. Yeah. Maybe if they're the rest of their starting pitchers hold up, but they're, you know, they're an offensive mess, especially in the outfield. Their bullpen's been okay. Uh, I, I don't expect much out of the Indians, and I expect them to possibly pivot uh, before the trading deadline and start trading off some more assets. Well, if they do that, um, if the Twins stay with that big lead and the Indians decide this is a moment to do that, yeah. then, yeah, it's then the Central's going to be wide open for second place. I mean, a wild card <laughs> in the American League when you have Tampa, the Yankees, and Boston all mm-hmm. in one division, okay, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to try and we're going to add and we're going to trade some young guys away. Probably not. You know, I think Cleveland is very much on the cusp of uh, going back the other way and moving toward rebuilding again. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is a phone number. If you want to dial it up, Sox fans and talk, you can. If you want to dial it up, Cub fans and talk about anything we discussed earlier in the show. One other point via texture, and I love this, that Gilito came out in the fifth inning and it was raining two starts ago and he had to try and get through. And he worked really fast, struck out the side on 11 pitches, right. threw only fastball and changeup, but worked really, really fast. Right. And he came out this last start, and worked that fast again because he said he liked it. Yeah. Well, the, the pacing. I is, love that. It's it's a great point, and it's it's part of what he is doing su- successfully. Right. There's no in between thought times. Go. You know him and the catcher put the sign down. It's only basically two things, and just you know push yourself into uh, being an outstanding pitcher in this league. He ain't. He's not there yet. Uh huh. But we've seen uh, some things that make you think that this trade is going to be really one of the great ones that uh, the White Sox made by getting him and Lopez and Dunning 
for Adam Eaton. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by Northwestern Football. Don't miss your chance to watch Big Ten football at Ryan Field this fall as the number 17 Northwestern Wildcats host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets on sale now at nusports.com. And uh, what else did I have to tell you? Um, that's it. Uh, that's, that's all you got to tell me? That's all I got to so tell I, you. So here's what I have to tell you. Miracle at the uh, Royal George Theater. Musical. What a fantastic musical. My friend and yours, Billy Maravitz, and his group uh, have put on a fabulous show. I was there last night with my uh, girlfriend, Lonnie, and it was a not only a great uh, performance, and it's about... Three generations of Cub fan family that own a bar in Wrigleyville and their struggles as a family unit, as a small business owner, and as Cub fans to finally get over the hump and how the 2016 season helps them along the way and their journey as a family as well. The music is fabulous. The actors are sensational. And if you are a person going you may see a guy like Wilson Contreras, like I did yesterday. I saw he was there last night. Sitting there, and he caught a ball in the stands or something. Yeah, they threw a ball out there. Yeah, you know it was it was set up. You know they were throwing it to him. But Richard Dent, Otis Wilson, Will Perdue, Jesse White, Arnie Granite from Jam Productions, um, Teddy Greenstein, Mark Gonzalez, Fred Mitchell, Peggy Kaczynski sitting next to me. That's the potpourri (laughs) of Chicago people that you will see enjoying this fabulous musical that that Billy has put out there. And I'm telling you, the music, you're a great music guy, Matt. The music is great. It's upbeat and it's quick. You know, two hours and 15 minutes of just pure joy. So go get yourself a ticket and enjoy Miracle. I guarantee you, even White Sox fans will enjoy this event. That's how much fun it was. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Slow down. Yes, Bruce. sir. Slow down. I um, I, I read a uh, review today from Lauren Commodore in The Athletic who, who loved it, and she went in skeptical about the music and ended up absolutely loving the music. It was it was just two, and a, two hours and 15 minutes of fun, and it's not just about Cub baseball. It's just about the working class, three-generation family and their struggles to survive in the city of Chicago. That is really the emphasis of the the whole thing. So I highly recommend it, and this has been unpaid. (laughs) One more segment to go here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Steve Rosenblum and some jamoke named me at the top of the hour. But phone lines are open for you, Sox fans and Cub fans, at 312-644-6767. You're listening to 670 The Score. It's Inside the Clubhouse. With Bruce Levine and myself, Matt Spiegel. Texter asks about Miracle. Does the play end with Tom Ricketts buying the bar? <laughs> Actually, that is a... That's that's part... Part of the show is the pressure of uh, a an upscale guy who owns another bar uh-huh. trying to buy the bar. Oh! That- so it's... it's it has all of that, and that's pretty funny. That's hilarious. So yeah. it's the uh, the idea of the forced gentrification of the three generation family <laughs> business is right there in, in the narrative. It's it's just way cool, and it's 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 a lot of fun. That's excellent. Six seven eleven is how you can text us if you want. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is how you call. That's the number Otto in Westmont dialed, and he's now on inside the clubhouse. Hello, Otto. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. I had a 
actually two quick questions. First, uh, as far as Theo goes, would this be possibly a time that Theo's asking for more money to be allocated towards baseball and ownership? The Ricketts family tells him no. Is maybe uh, Theo in a position that's just hanging up and say, you know what, I quit. I can't, I can't work under these situations. We've got an opportunity here to win, and I'm simply not being, I'm being shortchanged on a closer. And I also wanted to ask you, Steve, when are we going to hear Barry on Sunday? When's, when's he going to co-host? We want to hear Barry. I, I understand. I think uh, Mr. Rosner is in, is enjoying life post-score, but uh, appreciate that, and we'll pass it on. So the answer on. is no. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. A man, a man can ask, and a boy can dream. Um, all right, so on the first front, I, I, I don't – this is – Screw you, I'm going to walk territory for Theo Epstein by any stretch. You know why? Because he knows they spent $126 million on you, Darvish, which was a completely lost year last year and is now a fifth starter, essentially. He knows they spent, what, 56 mil on Chatwood? He, he, he knows they chose to spend money on Morrow, who's been injured like crazy. He, he's pointed the thumb himself. He's pointed it directly at himself. And, but the the other the, the flip side of that is that's doing business when you ask me to come in here with my people and make the Cubs the Yankees or the Red Sox when you want us to travel in the high air the rare air above the other teams that we are the elite team in the National League we are the Dodgers we are the Yankees. We expect to win every year. Mm -hmm. We will do everything we can to win every season. Uh, That was a commitment from ownership. I think Mr. Ricketts had followed through on that by having the high payroll. Certainly Epstein and Hoyer have delivered those goods for very good runs, uh, for playoff appearances in the row unprecedented in Cub history. Now it's, well, um, who are we going to be going forward? Are we going to continue to be here, or is it going to be about uh, living in the past? Uh, we made mistakes. We can't get over that hump. We have to spend less money. Well, I, I think they were um, hoping for more from some particular bullpen pieces, and maybe they'll get that from them. But they're going to be able to make some kind of addition here. There will be some kind of trade acquisition there'll be something that they will do but in terms of big ticket items you know they're gonna have to spend a boatload of money coming up in 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 years like like for instance if they decided not to go out and spend money on harper machado etc because they're going to pay all that money to chris bryant and javier baez those look like two pretty smart investments to come well and what is the fiscal year uh which is more important in other words uh after november 1st the Cubs will have about $60 million coming off of the books. Okay. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, is that money theoretically there for them this year? In other words, can those repairs be made because all this money is coming off the books? Can you spend the money July 31st uh, because the money's coming off the books November 1st? Okay. So what is the fiscal year? How is that money shaped how does Mr. Ricketts and the business people with Crane Kenny look at that? Uh, you know, so the, there's a lot of moving parts to, you know, you can't spend the money. Oh yeah, by the way, yes, you can now. You know, you know, we need we need our baseball insider to dig into some of these issues and report back. You know, if he's any good, he'll do it. <laughs>
I think I think we know yeah. we know what your job is today and yeah, tomorrow. Absolutely. I mean, that, those are important questions to answer about yeah. the fact that we don't have the money for this baseball <clears throat> season. But what is that fiscal year? Is November? You know, uh, in in July, can he go to Tom Ricketts and Crane Kenny and say, "Can we spend that fifteen or twenty million now because sixty million are coming off the books in November?" Uh, my my perception at this point is that there was because of construction delays there were also income delays from some of those specific construction projects and you know where they were going to make some more money that was one thing and the second thing is there's still a lack of clarity on exactly what the money is going to be about this television deal. absolutely Matt. you're a hundred percent right you're right on it and uh we don't you know we're hearing rumblings about well you know, Sinclair now is going to own 15 separate uh, entities. That, 21, right? Yeah, but I think 15 will be what you'll be drawing from. Okay. From these separate regionals that they're going to own. These regional these sports, sports networks regionals. for other teams. Right. So will they consolidate costs and programming? That's but, their but, MO as but a But I'm hearing that uh, a lot of the programming will be coming over to Premier, and that means that you're not going to hire – or produce a lot of your own content outside of Cub Baseball because it's not economically feasible. We'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, we will see how that shakes out, and we'll see what the appetites of Cub fans for that programming is and if that impacts some of their choices. Jim Deschays and Marty Brenneman, fantastic. Matt, uh, we certainly uh, thank Zach Withers for a job well done every week. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, writing Cubs and Sox every day at 670 to the score. Have a great week. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, you too. Oh, by the way, Matt yes. Spiegel tomorrow on Hit and Run at 9 o'clock will feature, of course, Scott Pasednik. In studio. In studio. And, of course, Nick Hotstudler, the uh, White Sox scouting director, also will be in studio. Have a great time. That's going to be fun. Thank you, Bruce. Yes, Hit and Run, that's tomorrow at 9 a.m. Steve Rosenblum is next with Suckage on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t